Welcome to the Real World Podcast, where mother and son bridge the gap between the millennials and the boomers, and we talk about real world issues, and we don't claim to be experts in any of the fields, although in this particular topic that we're going to talk about today, we both personally have some experience, and I'm Bobby, I'm Mom. I'm Brian. And welcome back, Brian. We missed you the last um, couple weeks, so we actually, you were sick. We were supposed to record about a month ago, and you ended up getting sick, so. It's a good thing I was sick. You guys got some good episodes. (laughs) Well, yes, I did have a good episode with Stacy on elder abuse, and then the other day we recorded, Dad and Jake and I recorded a couple episodes, and those are upcoming as well, so we're going to have a few on the docket, so that's awesome. Awesome. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about mental illness. Nice. Yes. And we are going to focus on anxiety, but I'm going to provide some general information. But before we go there, what's happening? Uh, For me, nothing much. No? Right now. Just busy at work? Uh, Busy at work. Uh, By this point, it'll have been long announced uh, that, well, outside of, actually it already has been announced to staff for... uh, one of the people on my accounting team is moving over to the people team for Sandals. And some of those responsibilities are being transitioned to me with credit cards. Nice. Uh, as well as my boss and her boss are going to be deciding on exactly who retains some of those responsibilities as they bring in someone new. Who is very close to being a CPA. Nice. And so they would rather her do like high, higher level <coughs> accounting work. Sure, sure. Especially for month end close stuff. Uh, right. Which, for those of you listeners, just the harder <laughs> stuff, just the, just the slightly more the hard, the, the slightly more, more difficult. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, and so awesome. it'll be it'll be fun. I, I w- one of the things I asked was to be involved in some of the more conversations uh, with people who may be struggling with some of their uh, some of their more like spending stuff because you have to code to certain things at a certain time frame and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so I asked if I could be a part of those conversations since mm-hmm. the person who was in charge is transitioning out of that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, not and mainly just to give me experience in that. I think that's yeah. a big, something I have a big heart for. Awesome. Good. Awesome. Well, congratulations for me. I think the frustration of the day is we have a squirrel or a rabbit or some little critter that's coming in and eating my zucchini plants. And so three times I've been back to the store to get new plants. Oh, that, that's, been, that's been me. I've been coming uh, over oh, that, and eating is that, your zucchini. Is that what it is? I'm, I'm sorry. Have I not supposed <laughs> to have been doing that? It's really frustrating because yeah, sorry, we've, we've done like three different things. So Dave has a trap set up. We put a, a camera specifically right on this so we can figure out what this is. We've got two different kinds of fences around it, like... <laughs> it's just it's, it's really, just really a frustrating. Very, very determined squirrel. It is a very determined squirrel. We think that's what it is because Dad has seen a couple squirrels in the last two days. He goes out with a gun, and then of course they're you know who knows where they go. He actually saw one like <laughs> like move they a go to rock squirrel heaven and dirt today to go between our fence and the neighbor's fence. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, to go to squirrel heaven, right? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if they're eating, never mind. I'm not going to make a joke saying, I was going to say, uh, well, they're eating your zucchini, so maybe they're not in squirrel heaven. Maybe they're the other squirrel place. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Well, it's really just the beginning of the plant, so we haven't even started. Oh, so they're eating uh, baby plants. That's all That's they're even doing. Worse. I know, right? <laughs> okay, well, we're going to go ahead and get started. <clears throat> Pardon me. So... 
When I did, um, when I started doing some research on this, uh, I, I found some good information at the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and that's NAMI for the acronym. And um, so basically, we could refer to this as either, some refer to it as mental health conditions, some mental illnesses, um, but those are used interchangeably. And a mental illness is a condition that affects a person's thinking, feeling, behavior, or mood. One in five U.S. adults experience mental illness each year. One in 20 U.S. adults experience serious mental illness each year. One in six U.S. youth, age 6 to 17, a mental health disorder each year. That's a lot, one in six. That's, yeah. yeah. And then 50% of all lifetime mental illness begins by 14 and 75% by age 24. So mm. those are kind of some scary statistics. Um, and usually it's not the result of like one event. It's usually a combination of environment, genetics, um, you yeah. know, like lifestyle influence, things like that. And as far as types of mental illness, there's, there's actually a lot of them. I'm just going to say them generally. Uh, We have anxiety disorders and we're going to talk about anxiety. So we're not going to, I'm not going to go into any detail with that right now, but I'm just going to identify the others. ADHD, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, depression, dissociative disorders, eating disorders, OCD, PTSD, psychosis, and schizophrenia. So um, that's, that's, quite a few now warning signs and symptoms i guess it's you know it's really tough to kind of tell the difference between what's uh, expected behaviors and what might be the signs of a mental illness yeah right and so each each type of illness of course has its own like type of symptoms and so forth but some common things that um are traits in both uh, adults and adolescents, include excessive worrying or fear, feeling excessively sad or low, confused thinking, extreme mood changes, prolonged or strong feelings of irritability or anger, avoiding friends and social activities, difficulty relating to other people, changes in sleeping habits, changes in eating habits... Um, you know, difficulty perceiving reality, uh, substance abuse, um, thinking about suicide, and then just like inability to carry out like daily yeah. activities. And then in kids specifically, there could be a change in like school performance, excessive worry or anxiety, hyperactivity, uh, frequent nightmares, and disobedience or aggression or temper tantrums. So those are some things that um, that kind of stick out. But what we're going to focus on today is anxiety disorders. Yay. Yay. Yes. So we all experience anxiety. Um, you know, like a lot of times you think about like speaking in front of a group or you go on a job interview or something like that. Certainly it's normal to have a level of anxiety associated with that. Yeah, for um, sure. But when feelings of intense fear and distress become overwhelming and it prevent us from doing, like, everyday life, that's when we know that there's an issue. Um, so it, I think, generally speaking, with anxiety disorders, there's, like, a feeling of apprehension or a dread 
um, you know, we're feeling jumpy or tense, restless. Um, physically, we can have a pounding or a racing heart, um, sweating, headaches, fatigue, upset stomach. I mean, there's just so many different aspects to it. And you have to forgive me as I'm turning the page. It's okay. I forgive you. Thank you. And again, there's different Only types once, of anxiety disorders. And so we've got generalized anxiety disorder, which is like everyday worrying about life. That's what that is. It's GAD. Then there's social anxiety disorder. So this is like fear about social interaction, panic disorder. This is characterized by panic attacks and sudden feelings of terror. Often mistaken for a heart attack, it causes physical symptoms, including chest pain. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later because I experienced those in my early 20s, and it was horrible. Then there's phobias. Again, I'm shifting papers here, so apologize. I'm just finding it kind of funny. I, it just, you're just kind of, I'm just kind of watching you struggle. It's because the way that the, the printer prints it is like, kind of like upside down, you know? And so it's kind of funky doodle. Are you sure you didn't staple it upside down? No, I'm sure. Okay. <clears throat> and, well, I, and I think that's really kind of sufficient for now. Yeah, for the um, most part, I think that's a good little overview. Yeah, because that's really all I wanted to try to do is to provide an overview here up front. And then um, what would you like to add to that, Brian? Uh, I think the two most important parts to that is, did we really define like what anxiety was specifically at all? Um, I don't know that I, in and of itself... Okay, well so then... why don't you do that? Let's create a definition right now, because I didn't really look up definitions. I don't typically look up definitions. I just always sort of th have things in my head. Uh, anxiety is sort of like that continual worry about the future. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it can be in the present, too, because you can be anxious in the, in the present. But uh, as we talked about how there's a subpart of anxiety called panic... Mm -hmm. That seems to be, at least when I was looking at a little bit about the difference between anxiety and panic earlier, it seems panic is very much in the present. You're not necessarily mm -hmm. anxious about the future. Panic is very much like a sudden, you're worried about the here and now. And then anxiety is kind of like a sustained, continual uh, sense of worry about something. Well, that's, that's really ironic because <clears throat> when I had my panic attacks... I was in my early 20s and early to mid 20s and they lasted a few years actually. I mean, I, I, I didn't suffer for them for, about, I only suffered for about a year, but I had them for several years, but I was able to control them after um, relaxation techniques and so forth. Um, but when I went to see a counselor way back in the day, well, the first thing they did was send me to a psychiatrist, and they prescribed Xanax. Okay. I took <laughs> one Xanax pill. You hated it. I, I couldn't handle it. I, I only ever took one because I took that one pill, and I felt like I was outside myself looking inside myself, looking at myself, and it was the most bizarre feeling. And I said, I never want to feel like this again. That's why I don't really like – I don't drink or anything like that because yeah. I, I need to know – 
you know, what's going on at all times. And I don't like to be under the influence of anything. And so whether it's, you know, pills or alcohol or anything, it's like, mm, no, thank you. Um, rather be filled with the spirit, right? Hey, that's, that's, yeah, that's what the Lord the calls us to be do. Be a sober mind and filled with the spirit. Absolutely. So, but anyway, that didn't work because it's like, that didn't work. All I wanted to do was talk to somebody. And so I transferred yeah. from a psychiatrist to a psychologist and I only actually saw her for about four sessions and she determined within that short period of time that I panic for the future. Like I need to know what's happening. And so what you were just saying is you were thinking that it's about the here and now with the panic attack. The physical part is the here and now, but for me, my panic was because I was at a place in time and I didn't know what the future was. Oh, yeah. So, like, worrying about the future can cause the initial panic, but mm -hmm. it's the, oh, did I just have a heart attack? It's like the physical mm -hmm. sensations that create the, 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 the present panic. Totally. And, and so I, I, I can't tell you. I'll bet you I went to the emergency room 15, 20 times at least. And it used to happen to me when I was at University of Redlands. It was awful. I had a gal in my one class that would take me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, dad took me a bunch of times and I took myself other times and I felt like my heart was going to jump out of my chest. Uh, I was just, yeah, my blood pressure shot up. I mean, it was just awful. It was just awful. And what was, there was only one person that could talk me off the cliff and that was Grandma Shooty, so Dave's mom. And I could call her at any time. And so when I, and, and that was actually, you know, when I said that I had him for several years, after the first year being treated and learning relaxation techniques, calling her was my number one thing to do. And like, she literally within five minutes could calm me down and make mm -hmm. me feel okay. I would feel okay after speaking with her. There was just some, something about her presence on the phone because she's in pennsylvania i'm in california yeah it's a but i bit could of a call her there. and that's before cell phones or anything but you know yeah. she, she was stay at home mom so all those years and so she was home and i'm so grateful for that because um she was she was my life source truly um there was another relaxation technique that the psychologist taught me and it was where you touch the tip of your fingers. And each time you touch the tip of your finger, you think of a time that you felt very peaceful or you felt really serene or you felt really safe. And, and believe it or not, those would help because I would have it like while I was driving. I would have a panic attack while I was driving. Mm -hmm. And it would be really helpful to start that technique while I was driving and I could do that. And I worked with a gal, super, super great gal who suffered the same thing I did. This was many years after me, but I was able to help her because I, she, you know, she went through the same thing and that I had gone through. And I mean, you know, she still had to do other things. And then ultimately, but during that first year, they found another medication for me, and I'll never forget it because I it really helped me. I took it for a couple months. It was called Buspar, and it was kind of like a time release thing. Um, but I only took it for about two months, and it, you know it wasn't addictive or anything like that. And it really, really helped me to relax. But I it 
I didn't feel abnormal or anything taking it. So I guess it was kind of mild, but just okay. enough to help me. But that was the name of it, was Buspar. Buspar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I actually didn't know that. I remember you talking to me about uh, the Xanax before. When mm-hmm. I when I was struggling with uh, anxiety and panic attacks. Well, you know, it's really interesting. I don't know about your brothers suffering from abnormal anxiety. I'm not aware of it. But clearly, you probably got some of those genes from me. And I believe I got them from my father and my grandmother. And I just remember when I was a kid... My grandmother used to have, and I'm putting my quotes up now, nerve pills. And I don't really know what they were, but they were black and green. And my grandmother used to get them for her anxiety. And my dad would come and take some from her sometimes. Like, he he would come up and say, hey, can I have a nerve pill? I just remember that, like, in and of itself. So, of course, you know, totally not good to be doing that. But I remember that. I remember that as a child. I mean, I do find it very funny that Pap would just go and take strange pills that he... Well, not strange pills because his mom was using them, but Mm -hmm. him being undiagnosed because he can be a bit of a hypochondriac at times. Well, I think what it was, though... um, one of the things that, you know, and, I, and we'll talk a little bit about our, our current series at our church. Um, we attend Sandals Church. In fact, Brian works there. Um, yeah. and well, by the time that this comes out, it won't be current anymore. It won't be, but you can go back and listen to previous um, Shout out sermons. to the Healer Series. Shout out to the Healer Series because, like, this last week's message was phenomenal in my book. Like, I've never presented or I've never heard mental illness presented the way that it was presented by Pastor Matt. And I really... Um, I really got a lot out of it. I took so many notes. It was ridiculous. Like, it was yeah, it awesome. It was good. It the- was super good. And maybe because you and I have suffered from, from this that we got so much out of it. But virtually, I mean, I don't know too many people that couldn't uh, talk to a counselor about something. I mean, we all have issues that, yeah. you know, are helpful to talk to somebody about. And, and you know, it's best in my book to not talk to family members like my mother-in-law was great for me but she was 2500 miles away and yeah. she wasn't here in the day to day but like i really i know some of you may be talking to your parents your kids about your concerns or issues i really i feel strongly that you need to talk to an independent person about those things i'm not saying that they can't be aware that you're struggling with some issues but in terms of talking it out, because sometimes they're the issue, like part of the issue anyway. And not that they are directly, but even indirectly, like you might yeah. have some stress over something they're going through or, or whatever. And so I'm just encouraging you to seek help, um, even if it's talking to your local pastor, priest, whomever, uh, you know, at the church, your friends, um, I, I strongly recommend recommend that. Yeah, and I, I think to add on to that, I don't think you're encouraging people to be dishonest with their family or all. anything like not that. Not at just, all. Just to add that little clarification. It's not like yeah. you're going to try and hide things away not from at someone. All. Not at all. But I'm like, just saying don't share the details with them. Yeah. Do, you, do you mind if I share a little bit of details I, about me and you? Ab- absolutely. Because uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know you had a difficult time when I was struggling with panic attacks because I had difficulty talking with you when I was having panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And I know that kind of hurt you a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
because and and a, and a part of it was when you saw me struggling with this and you couldn't help me, you like it, it hit home. It you you took it personally. I think it's okay because you're my mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when you got anxious yourself over that, that then made my struggle with anxiety. It can it made it it can made it more difficult. Right. It can make it worse. It yeah. actually can add to the burden. Yeah. Yeah. And it was nothing like. I didn't love you as much because like what some reason talking with dad was very much like with you talking with grandma. Yep. Just like how yep. you talking with grandma didn't mean you loved your own mom less. Right. That's right. It's just that my mom would make me more anxious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as I made you more anxious. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's important to talk with someone who won't feed into those things. Mm-hmm. They may not even necessarily be the person at fault or like related to it at all. But sometimes you need wisdom with what you share, even with the people you love most, just so it doesn't feed into unhealthy habits within each other. Mm -hmm. And then that way you can get to a point where they're healthy and then you could talk about them in more detail Mm -hmm. or share like up to what you can uh, to create further, not just mental health for yourself, but mental health in your loved ones and a better, stronger relationship. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, So I think... Uh, what I was going to share a little bit was a bit about my own anxiety for a big part of me. It, I think was worrying about life and death. That I was think exactly what mine was, Brian, for it me, was, my grandfather passed away and I really struggled with it because he yeah. was the first person that I was close to that passed away. And like, it really hit me. Yeah. I, I think for me, it was seeing both of my grandmas pass away. Mm-hmm. And I think if they didn't happen so close to each other, mm-hmm. it wouldn't Nine have Nine days apart. It wouldn't have been so difficult. Mm-hmm. But I think because in my head, they I lost them both so quick. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I remember talking with Dr. Che at one point. Uh, shout out to her because she was always a great doctor to us. She was awesome. But I, I don't think she will ever listen to this or anyone will know who that is. No, no. Like but she was, she was a great doctor. But Unfortunately, she just left our medical clinic and we had her for 20 years and she just recently left. So it's but one of the, sad. One of the <laughs> things that she told me, because I started struggling with anxiety and she was trying to encourage me to talk to uh, Gramps more, your dad mm. more. Uh, and one of the things she said was that a lot of times husbands don't have as good of a social network uh, when their partner dies as the wife. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of times when a, a, a wife dies, the husband will live much longer after it because they have all the stress and anxiety and all this worry and their body doesn't know how to <coughs> deal with it. Whereas women, a lot of times they'll have friends and other social networks and so they could live a good deal long after the husband's mm-hmm. pass. And so I think it was like, oh, I just lost my two grandmas and now my doctor is saying is very likely I'm going to lose both my grandpas in the next year or two. And I don't think that was her intention. I think she was trying to encourage me to be more loving towards my grandparents, my grandfathers. Uh, but I think that's what made it a bit more difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and I think from and, there. And it, I, I yeah. have to apologize and I apologize to you guys later, but frankly, I was so in my own grief losing my two moms because Dave's mom was always mom too. And yeah. the same thing for my mom with Dave, you know? I mean, you're you're allowed to grieve two moms. Yeah. You don't you don't need you didn't need to be the the strong person. You lost both your moms, so did dad. Yeah. You guys are allowed to 
But my point is, is that I never really thought about you guys losing your grandmas, and you were mm. close to both of them. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm sorry for that, that I didn't, like, it didn't even, like, click at the time that you lost both grandmas at the same time. Like, it didn't even click. I was so in my own grief. Yeah. Well, I guess we're getting real real this episode. So. We're getting real. That's, that's good, though. Yeah. Uh, so I think maybe the next step, as we sort of talked about the difference between panic and anxiety, panic attacks typically being something that you can feel coming for a while. Like when I would have panic attacks or anxiety attacks, uh, a lot of times I would feel them for hours. Like I would have anxiety for hours and I would feel all my muscles tighten up and I could be sore for days because mm. my muscles would just almost be locked. It was almost like I had the... Uh, the uh, I don't remember what the thing that dad has. Oh, the myotonia. Myotonia congenita. It was almost like mm-hmm. if I had that, but I don't think I have that. Mm. But it was almost like that. But it was mm. only ever happened when I was anxious. I see. Yeah. Uh, and so I think after we talked about a little bit about that, maybe it might be good to broach the topic of how do we best like approach anxiety? If, the, if we feel anxious, how do you think is the best way to, uh, I even put, and is a joke, it's not a joke, but like a meant to be thought provoking fix in quotes. Cause a lot of times we go with the idea that it needs fixed. Uh, when with long times with anxiety, it's not something we can actually fix. It's something that needs healing and it's something that needs a new perspective mm-hmm. rather than, Oh, something's wrong with me. I need to change it. Well, you know, one thing that I would like to ask you about that aspect of it is so when when I was going through the panic attacks I wasn't really we weren't going to church at that time again I've always been a believer but there were periods of time whenever we were younger that we really kind of stopped from going to church and at that time we did and so I wasn't really like walking with the Lord at that time yet you were yeah. When you suffered them. So I'm curious about the difference there. You know, like for me, like, again, going back to last Sunday's um, sermon on mental illness by Pastor Matt, you know, I can't, like, it would be so much easier if the Lord were in your life, I believe, in order to deal with it because I think you could at least put it in the right perspective. It doesn't mean that you're not still dealing with it because you are. But clearly we know that by, you know, having him by our side and being in a relationship with him, that first and foremost, he can help us through that. And he will help us through that. Yeah. I think, I I mean, I think you actually hit the nail on the head for me. So a a big couple factors of mine was one, medicine didn't work for me. Uh, medicine didn't do anything for me. I hated the feeling of, I don't remember the tranquilizer that gave me that kind of gave me a bit of a high. Mm. I didn't like that. Uh, it was, felt really weird. Like you said, it felt kind of out of body. It was mm-hmm. very similar feeling. It felt like I was mm. watching myself on a TV screen, mm. but I was still like controlling everything I was doing. It was weird. It, it, it's just a really bizarro. And they also gave me another really common medicine for depression and anxiety. It starts with the P. I feel like Prozac? It, it might have been Prozac. Mm. Uh, 
And I feel like, yeah, I feel like it was Prozac, but it didn't really do anything for me mm -hmm. because I would still have anxiety attacks, mm -hmm. but my body wasn't registering the symptoms. It was just all internal. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I was, it was still like, I was like, ah, mm -hmm. but my body was just calm and cold and calculated like normal. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm in my default, like state, when I'm mm -hmm. just like focused on doing something. Mm -hmm. So I think a big part of it for me was talking with our worship pastor, Will, Will Cunningham. Oh. Uh, because he really struggled with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like He would talk about it even from the stage. He, like He would. And he did That's why I loved him so much because he was so real. He was so vulnerable. He was, and, and his vulnerability made him the best. He, he was just the best. Like, yeah. I'll never forget one Miss time. You, Will. Yeah, I'll never forget one time everything was about to start. People were looking for him, and then... Uh, Someone sees him and he comes out of the bathroom and I was like, hey, what were you doing, man? And he goes, I'll talk about it in a moment. And then he goes <laughs> up on stage and he, he literally talks about how he was so anxious and so struggling with anxiety that he wants to give this up to God because as he was preparing for leading worship, he was like throwing up. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just sort of mind blowing to see him struggle through that and be real and vulnerable through that. And one of the things he said that has always stuck with me is that God is not giving you this anxiety. Mm. And I think part of me had believed that he did not as a, like a way to like punish me or something, mm -hmm. but as like, okay, God gave me this so I can struggle through this mm. to get your attention, to get my attention mm -hmm. or, uh, to like help keep me reliant and reliant on him or broken. But one of the things that, especially after Pastor Matt's sermon this last week that I probably didn't fully put together until now was that the healing, the thing that I needed most wasn't social or biological or even psychological. It was spiritual. Mm. I didn't believe God wanted to heal me in that. Mm. I believe that he wanted me to be in a broken place because that's when I was most obedient and pursuant of him. Mm. But when God says he wants us to be reliant on him, that's not him saying he wants us to be hurt and broken and have our heart destroyed or crushed or something. It's him saying that he wants us to be reliant on him with the things of this world, the things that we're, that we're wrestling mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's not saying he wants you to be hurt and so much so that you struggle trusting him. Mm -hmm. And I think realizing that over time is what slowly brought about change and what slowly ended my anxiety attacks. Wow. That's really awesome. Well, like I said, I, the reason, one of the reasons why I really like the message and I'm just going to go through some basics from the message now, just <clears throat> so that you understand what, what I'm referring to, but I really would encourage you to go to sandalschurch.com and then you can look up the sermon, and it's uh, it's in the Healer series, and or, it's on uh, mental illness. Or you can look, go on YouTube.com forward slash Sandals Church. There you go. Either way. But anyway, so he was saying that there are four main contributors to mental illness. There's social, there's spiritual, there's psychological, and there's biological. Yeah. And I've never really heard it put in those terms where you have, you know, like those four different aspects of it. Because I think like when you go to the doctor, you're having a panic attack, you're having an anxiety attack. They only look at it as a biological. Yeah. That's all they're doing. They're, and they're giving you those pills. But that is only one aspect of what it is that you're going through. Just like you just said, 
yours ended up being spiritual. You determined that yours ended up being spiritual. Um, and I think mine ended up being spiritual, maybe a combination of that and psychological as well. I think mine was yeah. kind of a combination there. Um, but, you know, a couple of the things that he said, is like, you know, unless we get real about it, you know, like we, we seem to be more concerned about the image of health than instead of the real thing. Instead of actually just being instead healthy. Instead of being healthy. And it's yeah. like, okay, again, the, the, the vision for our church is to be real with yourself, God, and others. And unless you are, you know, it's you're not. Be, it, yeah, it's I mean, especially healthy. in mental illness. Yeah. Because getting back to when I was talking before about my father and my grandmother even at that time, it's like that was taboo back in the 60s. So this would have been the 1960s that when I was like a young child. And you didn't talk about mental illness at all. Like you actually, you kept that under wraps. You would never reveal that yeah. somebody was struggling with anything. It was very taboo in that it time period. It was very taboo. And so I could see where perhaps maybe my father, and I'd have to ask him this question, but, you know, maybe he suffered it, suffered from anxiety just periodically and, and 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 so he would get a pill period. It wasn't like something he did all the time, but it was something that I noticed periodically that he would do. And maybe mm. there was something stressful going on with job or home or I don't know, because as a kid, you're really not in tune with those things, thankfully. And um, and maybe he really didn't want to see the doctor about it, you know, because oh, yeah. of the taboo associated with it. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing. It's just, it really is kind of funny because of how much of a hypochondriac he is now. <laughs> like, nothing will be wrong and he'll want to go see the doctor because he thinks something's wrong. Yeah, he's just, but he's always been that way. Like, he's oh, just okay. always kind of been on top of that. But hey, listen, he's 86. He still drives. He goes to the store. I mean, oh, like, yeah. he's still on top of things. So, I have a like, hard time maybe imagining I'll be in such good shape when I'm 86. I was going to say, maybe that's the key is like, you know, to stay <laughs> on top of things. He's so, so worried. His body keeps burning off calories and everything because he's just anxious all the time. Well, unfortunately, like, COVID hasn't helped either. Like, you know, and, and when we talk about anxiety in general, I mean, like oh, yeah. the war with Ukraine and Russia. So we went from COVID to, you know, the whole Black Lives Matter movement to the election, which was horrible. Then we move into this war and COVID's going on during this whole time. I mean, it's really easy to see and inflation's going through the roof. It's easy to understand why people are anxious. I mean, that, that why there's real anxiety. Yeah, because it's like no matter what, like, because a lot of the what you mean, things that you said can be very politically devi divisive. Totally. But, like, regardless of whose side you take, or even if you're in, like, neutral, because I'm right. more neutral on all mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. I try and under always understand every perspective. Sure. It's, like, it's still very anxiety-inducing. It, it is. It is. And it's, like, as though we don't have enough in our own personal lives, but you <laughs> add these worldly things to it. Yeah. And it's definitely going to, you know increase that but i think the key with anxiety again laying out the different um contributors to the mental illness the social spiritual psychological and biological it's important to identify the right problem mm -hmm. so you get the right solution um one of the things that he said that like really really meant something to me like it just uh it was this in the psychological I mean, well, first of all, let's just start from the beginning. Social, um, 
I mean, you need to have a good social, you need to have a good support system. So one of the things that he recommended, especially for kids, is that they have different social groups. So they have their sports oh, group, yeah. their church group. I thought that was another friend. It was because, and you know, because you've worked with youth for years. And well, it's like that way, if something happens in one of those groups that you get shunned or, or something happens, you still have these other groups to go to. But if you oh, only yeah. have one group and something happens there, that could really impact you, you know, in a, in a negative way. So in the social, then in the spiritual, you know, you need to ask for discernment to determine exactly what it is. Remember, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So he's going to get into your head and he's going to tell you that you're not worth it, that God doesn't love you, just kind of like what you were going through. And, um, I mean, I think he gets in there, the enemy gets in there and tells us all kinds of stories. And we have got to believe what God's promises are, right? Yeah. Then we get into the psychological, and here's the one that, like, was the kicker for me, where he said, a pill will change your chemistry, but not your thought process. So this is why taking a pill in and of itself isn't going to do anything for you. I mean, you have to change the way you think. Yeah, what was the comparison he he I think he used with steroids was like if you just take steroids and then do nothing, you're gonna you're never gonna get bigger. I mean, and it's sort of a very different comparison because steroids aren't really a good thing, but I mean it's the same idea of like if you just take biological pills to try and help with your chemistry, but you're not trying to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not going to ever really do anything. Right. And that was his point. It's like you can't control the way you think or you can't change the way you think with a pill. Like that's going to help your biology, yeah. but it's not going to help your thought process. So in the terms of why you've become or why you suffer from anxiety to begin with, yeah, there could be some biological components. And that's the fourth item here. And I'm not, a, we're not at all suggesting that you don't have a chemical imbalance. You may. And, oh, yeah. that, and you may need to have, take medication. As we both said before, we both ended up taking medication at some point in our lives and it was very beneficial because sometimes we do have that chemical imbalance all i'm saying is that it needs to be in conjunction with something else we still need to have the social support we still need to have a relationship with the lord we need to have that spiritual guidance and support you know psychologically you know we need to have control over our mind like we can't um the only way we're going to change how we think is to have control over our mind. Okay. And then of course, biologically, if we need to take medication to help us, then we need to take it. But, and that of course you need to go to a doctor. Like, like truly, if you're suffering from, yeah, don't self, uh, self prescribe, don't self prescribe. And if, if you're suffering from any kind of anxiety disorder, you really, I, I encourage you to see a doctor as soon as possible and if you're, if you're panicking, you feel like you're having a heart attack, I mean, there's always a chance that you are having a heart attack. So please call 911. Um, and again, you've got to be um, observant of other people that are suffering through this as well and get them the help that they yeah. need. Well, maybe it might even be wise to say if you're really struggling, struggling with anxiety, there are three different kinds of doctors you might want to be seeing. A medical doctor, mm-hmm. a counselor, mm-hmm. and a pastor. Mm-hmm. Not because pastors are really doctors. Like, 
most of the time senior Spiritually pastors they have are, though. most of mm-hmm. the time pa- i mean i was demanding it from a technical perspective mm-hmm. of doctorate mm-hmm. i understand but many uh, of them are yeah there are plenty <laughs> but it's that that idea of three different people who can help with healing mm-hmm. to combat it at all sides because you you need the entire thing absolutely i mean you may not necessarily need the medical side but it's still good to talk to your doctor if you if you're struggling with it because like maybe you do how will you ever know if you do or don't if you don't ever talk to your doctor? Mm-hmm. Uh, I really only had one more, and I think at least one more big or more important question. Okay. Uh, and that is, how do we best talk with someone who is struggling with anxiety? When you Whether say, how do we talk to them? Do you mean just one-on-one, having a conversation be, with them? Or? It can be talking, I guess more so, mostly talking with them about the, the struggle of being anxious. Uh, it could be maybe in Being their real. it could be in their panic <laughs> attacks. It could uh-huh. also just be like like a conversation like me and you. Mm-hmm. Like we're not panicking right now, but maybe a panic attack will come later or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, you need to have you need to be calm. And I think <clears throat> the reason I couldn't talk to my parents when I was suffering was because they weren't the calm type. I mean, like like my mom was pretty soft. Yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't say soft-spoken, but she was pretty calm and... Very gentle. Gentle. Yeah, that's a good way to describe her. She was very gentle. But if it was something to do with her kids, she could have a high level of anxiety, right? And so so she would struggle with anything about her kids, and I'm the same way. And so that's why you kind of resisted me, because if it has something to do with my children, I think just as a mom, it's just... It can be so difficult. It's just so difficult because they're your babies, and you know, and and, and I, I would to add on to that because uh, there might like there might be a lot of dads out there listening to, including our dad. I mean, my dad, not your, not our dad, uh, your husband, my dad. <laughs> uh, but to say that it's not like those men feel less, but to say that I feel like a lot of times with moms, they it's a lot easier for a lot of moms to wear their hot on their yeah, they're hot, they're hard, their heart. I cannot speak yeah, to the heart on the sleeve. Heart yes, on the sleeve. Yes. Thank you. Well, because you're a mom, you carried this child yeah. for nine months. It's just, it's come on. We have a different relationship. Um, <clears throat> moms and dads are different, right? Yeah. And and so, I mean, generally, again, I know there's exceptions to every rule, and I'm not saying at all that men aren't compassionate and loving towards their kids because they are. Uh, it's just that it's different. Yeah. 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 And but but my mother-in-law. She had a very calming uh, voice and a very calm uh, countenance about her. And so she was very helpful to me. That's good. Yeah, I think, I think that's good. Is You approach it calm. You approach it like this yes. isn't out of place. Mm-hmm. This isn't weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing wrong with this person. Mm-hmm. But you also can't uh, undermine it either. You also can't like pretend like it's not important as well. Let me interject one thing that I failed to say earlier when I talked about relaxation techniques. The very number one is deep breathing. Breathe through your nose and out your mouth at least five to ten times. Like that helped me probably more than anything. Mm -hmm. And they would even have you do that as soon as you went to the doctor. As soon as you went to urgent care, that was the first thing they would have you do. So that is something that you can do with anyone. Again, if you believe or suspect that there is an urgent matter with that person, you need to call 911. But if they've suffered through this before and, and this is like a pattern that you're familiar with, you've, you've seen this before, that would be the first thing I would encourage you to do is to do the 
breathe through your nose, take a deep breath through your nose and out your mouth at yeah. least five times. And like, like seriously, for me, that would help me 90% of the time. Yeah. Like that was enough uh, of, a, of a technique to use that would help. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think breathing exercises and prayer were the two biggest oh, totally, things for me. totally, totally. And, you know, yeah, prayers always, you know, should be first. Um, but when you're in the heat of it, you know, we've talked about this in group a lot. Like sometimes prayer doesn't seem to be the first thing that we go to, even though we know that it should be the first thing we go to. But when you're in the heat of it and you're in this real world as we're living in it, doesn't seem like it's first sometimes and it isn't first sometimes and when you see somebody physically struggling you're going to deal with the physical here and now we're here yeah you know and so i think the breathing exercises uh maybe a short prayer help me god you know like like literally um to to deal with the situation appropriately um uh certainly but i mean in terms of an in-depth you know yeah for sure i and i think uh, I totally lost my train of thought. I had it. I really had it. That's okay. I you were saying it. so prayer. Uh, prayer. Oh, yeah. For I think for prayer, a big part of it, too, is even if that's not the first thing, it's not like God also doesn't understand that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus was human. He struggled with everything we struggle with. He was so anxious the night before mm-hmm. he died that mm-hmm. he cried blood. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much stress you have to be to do that. But that right. must be a massive panic. And he asked the Lord to take that cup from him. Yeah. Right? And, and so I think there's a level of understanding where when the Spirit is with us, he is with us and he understands when we're struggling with something. Mm-hmm. And we don't need to necessarily, like, it's not like we shouldn't pray or, like, prayers and super important still. But if we, like, misplace it amongst the anxiety, God is still with us and mm-hmm. he can still grant you peace. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the first step can be breathing. Mm-hmm. slowly or taking deep breaths yeah yeah uh to go back to my last question a little bit i wasn't sure if you had any other thoughts of how to best talk with someone when they are struggling with anxiety did you hear my question um how how best other than the <laughs> yeah, breathing it to was it was no it was well, if you had any other thoughts well, again, I, I would really encourage them to join some kind of a group that, like, there's various groups that um, where people that suffer from, you know, these same kinds of um, things that they can really help each other. I mean, it's just like AA, you know, for alcoholics. It's so helpful to be in a group with other people that have dealt with the same things because they can identify maybe a technique that, you don't know about that could help you a lot of times this a lot of this is just fears that we have Mm -hmm. because remember the enemy comes to kill still and destroy and so we have these fears and sometimes we just need to talk to somebody about it yeah you know and we need to have a reassurance that we're not losing our minds i mean i went through a period of time like i thought i was literally losing my mind I mean, like you it have, was, but that's <laughs> no, sorry. but I mean like, and, and this was, it was very short lived, Yeah. but I really thought I was losing my Be- mind because you would feel like you're having a heart attack and heart palpitations and you would go to the doctor and they would say, no, you're, you're perfectly fine. Yeah. It, you and know, it's it just was, crazy. Feel, yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I felt crazy. Like I felt it was just awful. And so, and I think I had it very mild comparatively to 
to how other people have suffered yeah, for this. And it's been yeah. such a, a stigma. And so I'm so grateful and thankful that we're talking about this in the real world, that mental illness, and we think about all the homeless people we have, I would say virtually most of them have yeah, 99% some, of them. have some usually drug addiction. Well, usually, then, yeah, usually caused and, by drug addiction as well. Right. And so it's like these people need help. And, uh, yeah. So the couple other quick thoughts I would add to it is when you're talking with someone struggling with anxiety, whether they're in the panic attack or not, uh, do your best to listen first and foremost. Uh, Absolutely. Listening. Listening is the most important thing. Try not to interject with stories about yourself, but listen to what they have to say. Absolutely. It's not not to say like, it's not okay to share, but Mm -hmm. the, the biggest part of it, when someone is struggling in anxiety, it's the best part is helping them explore, letting them talk it out. And so if you do say something, maybe ask a good question. Or if you ask a mm-hmm. question about feelings, ask an, a, a question to, like, are you saying you felt this way? Right. To help confirm totally. so they feel understood. Absolutely. Uh, and also, Absolutely. I mean, the, and the, some of this is also kind of like soul care advice we mm-hmm. would give. Sure. But I think another big thing is to not be afraid of silence. Hmm, that's good. If the person runs out of things to say, don't be afraid to just sit near them, mm-hmm. look at them, mm-hmm. just be with them. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a, an aspect of loneliness during that phase, like when you're when you're suffering from this anxiety that you're ultra lonely. Like you feel like you're the only one in the world that feels like this. Yeah. You know, even though there's you know, so many that are suffering these same things, but by sitting with them, like you're saying, that really is a great suggestion, Brian. Thank you for that. Um, because just sitting with somebody, it's kind of like even sitting with somebody after they've lost someone, Mm -hmm. like you don't need to say anything, just be with them. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. 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 I think that's very much true, Mom. It's kind of like one of those things where, like, you can say something like, God will somehow pull this to good. And it's not like those people might not disagree, like, might disagree with that or not, but it's more like that doesn't necessarily need to be said in this moment. No, for sure. Absolutely. Sometimes it's, it's not going to help in the moment. <laughs> it's not going to alleviate the pain. Right. Uh, right. It's good to just be with them, be Absolutely. present. Absolutely. Totally. Uh, Anyways, before we close up, did you have any final thoughts before I go into our scripture? No, I, I think go ahead in the scripture. I just shared that I'm just so grateful that this is now something that we can talk about freely and that they, that, that stigma is, I, I there's probably still an aspect yeah. of it that exists, but not like it used to be. And by golly, I would say Dave and I have always said that we all could could speak to a counselor or someone about our issues because we all have them because yeah. we live in this world and the enemy is here and present and he gets inside us and that, that old battle of the, you know, the flesh and the spirit, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge every day. So it is. Yeah. So go ahead. What do you got cool. for us? Thank you, mom. Uh, so before I go into my two verses, there's probably one passage everyone's thinking of in Matthew. Matthew 6 is, uh, do not worry about anything. Mm. I actually did not use that passage. Uh, specifically, not because it's not helpful or it's not, not Philippians? good. Philippians talking about I can do all things through Christ. No, do not worry about anything. So it's kind of like do not worry, but, be, you know, yeah. Well, I didn't use that one either. I didn't think of that one. 
yeah, so but it's like, the main reason. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of what now the Philippians 4, 6, 8. It's whatever is real, whatever is true, true. Oh. whatever is noble, dwell on these things. And, and believe it or not, that is that also really helped me when I was going through this because I would start putting things in my mind like that were happening or were real that really weren't. And they weren't real. They weren't true. And it's like we need to focus on what the Lord says is real and what the Lord says is true and not allow the enemy to get in there and tell you a story that that's completely made up. I like that. Uh, I actually didn't think of using that passage just because in context it's talking about conflict within the church. Hmm. So it's like you conflict with another Christian. Mm-hmm. Specifically in that passage was two Christian women. Uh, but it helped but, me. So. But I mean, it, no, it's helpful still. It's so helpful because it's not, it's conflict with a Christian. It just, it's yourself. You're, yeah, you're that's the other, true. You're, you're the, person, the other you're, person. You're the person you're in conflict well, with. And we do have uh, <laughs> multiple personalities sometimes. I am a Gemini, so, you know. Anyways, what I was saying <laughs> is I didn't, I didn't want to use the Matthew 6 passage that says, uh, that, that says, like, do not worry about anything. God will provide everything. Not just because I feel like a lot of people and a lot of Christians have heard that a bunch, but I don't think it it goes into some of the depth. Sometimes that passage can maybe feel a little bit dismissive. Like when I was struggling with anxiety and someone would share that passage with me, mm-hmm. I would like roll my eyes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not because it wasn't true, but it was just feel like it felt like when another Christian was saying it, it was just, it was just saying like, oh, just don't be anxious. Okay. Like, oh, thanks. That's helpful. It's like telling a depressed person, hey, just don't be sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so if you're wondering sense. why I didn't use this passage, that's that passage, that's why. Mm. But the two I have, first one is first Peter five through seven, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Absolutely. Give it to the Lord. And this next one is Matthew eleven, twenty eight through thirty. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you mm-hmm. rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is comfortable, and my burden is light. I love that because when I think about what he's saying there, and he's saying, um, say that again, he's gentle. As I am gentle and yes, humble in I'm heart. I'm gentle and humble at heart. And I think about when we, like when I would talk to my mother-in-law, that was what I always got from her. Like, you know, yeah. so I think if you are going to talk to somebody, it's got to be somebody like that. You can't speak to somebody else who's anxious like you are. Because I think that's going to be a challenge. And that's not to say that somebody who hasn't suffered from anxiety can't help, because I think they can. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Um, But I think they need to be post-anxiety. You know what I mean? They've got to be way beyond that where they they can recognize it and do what they can to help you. Yeah, when they can get to a place where they can actually speak into it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And the main reason I like that second one, because a big part of that second one that I said from Matthew 11 is more about rest and more about casting your burdens, but there's a level of anxiety that deals with fear and feeling overwhelmed. And so it feels like based on our burdens, based on our fears of the future. Mm-hmm. And Jesus saying, did you can cast those on me? Totally. I will take them. Amen. Let me give you mine because mine are easy and I'll give you the lightest one that I can give you. Awesome. Well, word for today. So it's awesome. Thank you, Brian. Mm-hmm. And if anyone has any uh, thoughts or uh, feedback, please send us an email at realworldpod at gmail.com or just a reminder to join our Facebook group for Real World Podcast. We have a public group that we set out there so you can put your comments in there nice. as well. And with that, we hope you have a wonderful day. Have a good day, guys.